Well, get well. I don't know if you're ready to have church, uh, but just in case you didn't realize, it has started. Uh, and so uh, it is just uh, incredible to sit. Yeah, you, you should clap again for sure. Just to get a, for us to understand as we are talking about eternity this morning, for us to understand that the voices that we just heard, that that is a foreshadowing of what will be, where we have different voices. Those of us in this room that cannot carry a tune, we will sing along with the saints that can carry a tune, and it'll be a glorious sound to our eternal Lord and Christ Jesus. And so as we come together as a church, we come together not only just here in this temporary moment, but it's a foreshadowing of something that is greater than what we could possibly think or imagine. And so this morning as we begin, some of you know me, my name is Nate Russell, I'm the Hernando campus pastor. I could hijack this time and just tell you about all the amazing things that the Lord is doing at Hernando, um, but, but that's not what I've been tasked with doing this morning, so I won't do that, but if you want to know, then find me afterwards and I've got story upon story of the faithfulness of Jesus, not only in this place, but in Hernando as well. And so uh, I'm going to ask a, 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 for a little bit of audience participation this morning that um, you may be uncomfortable with, but that's okay. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. So raise your hand if you are a procrastinator, if you identify as a procrastinator. Some of you, you are super procrastinators because you were the last one to put your hands up. And so I fully understand that. And so I myself, I am a procrastinator. So on behalf of all procrastinators, I will apologize to every single one of you that likes to get things done early and the stress that we cause on you. Jonathan, I'm specifically talking in our relationship uh, together. And so just want to apologize for all of you like to get things done early. But a couple of years ago, there was a guy named Kurt Andre that came in to work with the staff here at Getwell Church. And he was uh, helping us figure out how to function better as a team, how to move forward, all of these organizational uh, uh, items that he had before us. And so in talking with him, I was telling him about my desire to procrastinate on things. And he said this line, and I don't ever want to forget this. I actually called him this week to make sure I had it correct. And he said, it's not that procrastinators do not like to get things done. It's that they need the pressure to do it. That's good, right? So every you write that down, okay? So when your boss says something, you're just like, I just need the pressure to be able to perform. But this is what he said, and I thought, that's it. It's not that the fact that I don't want to do the task, it's that I need to feel the pressure to get the task done. And so as we're talking about eternity, it's important for us to kind of have this idea in our mind because we need to have the pressure of eternity on us for us to live with eternity in our minds. So sometimes we can think when we talk about eternity, the temptation is to not feel the pressure, but because eternity seems far away, right? Or it seems it's not expected. It can come unexpectedly into our lives. So therefore, eternity doesn't push that pressure on us to make us live in light of eternity. So this morning is before we begin in 1 Peter, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But before we begin there, I want to ask, pray to, that Jesus will increase our awareness, that we will be able to heed the words of Peter, and that every single one of us, procrastinators, not procrastinators, that we will feel the pressure of eternity that is on us. So if you will, if you will pray with me this morning. Father, as we have gathered in this place, and every single person in here comes with a different story, a different background, a different place in life, I pray that 
this text from 1 Peter will speak to our minds. That there will be a sense of urgency to live with eternity as we walk out of Getwell South Haven. And so we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 13 down through verse 21. So Peter says, Therefore, preparing your minds to be for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to, the deed, to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was, spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest to us in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave glory to him so that your faith and hope are in God. So verse 13 Peter begins with a word, therefore. I had an English teacher that used to tell me, anytime you saw the word, therefore, you asked yourself, what is it therefore? And so for us this morning, what is this therefore, therefore? What's the context of what Peter's trying to get us to understand? Well, the first uh, 12 verses of 1 Peter, he is praising God for the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. If you want to go back this week and read that, it's incredible, his writing skill, but he praises Jesus for the earth, praises God for the salvation that he has through Jesus. So verse 13, what he is doing is he's about to shift gears. He's saying, based on this salvation, since you have salvation through Christ, listen to what I'm about to say. So the foundation of everything that we just read that he's about to say after therefore builds upon the foundation of salvation. And then he's going to say, because you have this salvation, listen to what I'm about to say about the return of Jesus to this earth. So it's very important this morning that we understand and that we keep in our minds as we're reading this text that when Peter is writing these words, he's writing to Christ followers. So it's important for us to understand that as we'll talk about in a minute because it can get us into dangerous territory if we don't understand that premise. So there's a foundation in which he is building upon. That foundation is the salvation that you have through Christ. And then upon that foundation, everything that he talks about is about the return of Jesus to this earth. So this morning, we're going to have a little bit of quote-unquote end time discussion. Don't know if that excites you or scares you, but that's what the conversation we're going to have is about what takes place at the end of time. And so throughout the New Testament, we are told that Jesus is going to return to this earth. We're told that in Jesus' own words in John chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 24, he speaks to this. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Luke would talk about this in Acts chapter 1. So we know from this passage in 1 Peter, we understand from other passages within the New Testament that Christ is going to return. And at his returning to this earth, there's an event that's going to take place. And so this morning, I want you to flip back in the Gospels to Matthew chapter 26. 
or excuse me, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus teaching his disciples. He says, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So Jesus himself, I'm returning, and when I return, there's an event that's going to take place. Peter, in verse 17, that he is going to judge impartially according to each one's deeds. Meaning that when Jesus returns to this earth, that there's going to be a judgment. And this judgment will be for Christ followers, and it will be for non-Christ followers. That all people will have to stand before the judge, King Jesus, and they will have to give an explanation for their actions here on this earth. And then after that judgment, eternity begins. Those who are Christ followers will spend eternity with God. Those who are not Christ followers will spend eternity forever separated from God. Now, it's important for us to understand something this morning as we're continuing to talk about this, though. That if you find yourself in Christ, if you are a Christ follower who desires to, to follow in the ways of Jesus here on this earth, when you stand before him and you answer for what you have done, you will be ushered into the presence of Jesus forever because of what he did on the cross, but you will still have to give an account for what you did with the gift of salvation that he gave to you. So Peter here is trying to get the churches that he's writing to in the ancient world to understand this truth. So going back to this foundation that he has that starts with salvation, he's talking to Christ followers, and he says, Christ followers, you are to live with this judgment with eternity in mind. That this is supposed to be at the forefront of your mind when you live on this earth. And so because you are a Christian... You will have to explain your actions here on this earth to Jesus. And that's why Peter says, therefore, be holy as God is holy. Because holiness means to be set apart for a special use. One of the ways I like to describe holiness is you have dishes in your house that you eat on every single day, correct? But then your mom has china that is set apart, it is holy, it is only used for a special purpose, right? And you have maybe only used it one time in all of your life, but it was that one holy purpose that it had, that it was created for. And so when we talk about holiness, when Peter talks about holiness here, we have to understand that he is telling the Christ followers there that God the Father has called them through Jesus the Son to be in a relationship with him so that they are set apart. Peter does not want the Christians there to live as they used to live, but he wants them to live in a wholly new way, in a way that's different than the way they used to live. See, the people that Peter is talking to here are Gentiles. Gentiles means that someone is not ethnically Jewish. So if you're like me, that would include you. And so Peter talking here he looks at the, or writes to the people that are Gentiles, and he says that you Gentiles inherited, inherited a way of thinking for, from your forefathers. He would say that they taught you how to follow the passions of your former ignorance, meaning they taught you how to focus on the temporary. But now, but now, however, you are a Christ follower. 
you have a new father, a new father in which you are to live out not the way that your forefathers told you to live, but how your father now tells you to live. He wants you to live separately than what you used to live. He wants you to be holy. And so for Christ followers, this means that we are to live with eternity in mind. Because one day, every single person and Christ followers included in that will have to explain our actions to Jesus. So we used to only think about today, our former ways of ignorance. But now as followers of Jesus, as those who call God our Father, we are now to think with eternity in mind. So Peter would say, therefore, prepare your minds for action and think clearly about how you live. Because we know, based on scripture, that Christ is coming back. So Christ followers need to be, need to be prepared to act. Peter would say, prepare your minds for action. If you were to literally translate that from the original language, it would say, gird up the loins of your mind. So in ancient times, you would have men that would wear long robes. And so it prevented them from being able to react or to move quickly, right? I don't know if you've ever tried to move with a robe on or women with a dress on. You can't move that quickly. And so what they would do is they would gird up their loins. They would tuck their long uh, robe into their belt. So this way it would bring it up and they can move a little bit quicker. What Peter is saying here, he's saying you Christ followers need to be prepared to act. So just knowing facts about Jesus isn't enough. You must act like Jesus in the world. So he's not looking at the Christians that he's writing to and say, just think correctly about Jesus. He's saying, no, behave correctly in the way of Jesus. Prepare your minds for action. But then on top of that, he says, we also need to make sure that we are thinking clearly. That the way we prepare for action is that we're sober-minded or is that we think clearly. Because Peter knows that there's a temptation within the Christians that he is writing to, to be distracted by their former way of living. And so he says, I want you to not be distracted. I want you to think clearly about those things. And so he understood that there was this desire that could creep back into the lives of Christ followers that they would allow temporary things to dictate their actions instead of allowing eternal things to dictate their actions. So this could mean that they may focus more on the development of their kids' gifts and abilities rather than focusing on them understanding who Jesus is. Because see, within that culture, it was your job to impart your way of living to your children so that they could continue on. And so there was this temptation to focus on making sure they had those gifts and abilities that were developed instead of focusing on Jesus. And so that could mean for us that we focus more on the development of our kids' gifts and abilities than their understanding of Jesus. Now, development in our kids' gifts and abilities is not a bad thing, but it's not more important than Jesus. And I mean, even I can get bogged down into this, right? Like I can focus on setting up a good future for my kids materially or socially or athletically over them understanding the importance of knowing Jesus. 
even my own personal self, taking my kids out of it. I fall into the same trap so many times of beginning to focus on the temporary things of like success and promotion and wealth instead of focusing on what's coming up in the future. Again, these things aren't bad, but yet they're not as important as Jesus. And so I can allow these things to determine my actions instead of eternity. Or, or it could mean that this church, these early churches that he's, that he's writing to, they're dealing with rising persecution in the ancient world. And so there was this temptation within the ancient world that if you begin to proclaim the way of Jesus and the culture around you didn't, then they just wouldn't come to your business anymore. They would just go to someone else's business. So there was the temptation within the early church saying, is it worth following and proclaiming the name of Jesus knowing that my financial stability is at stake? And so there was this temptation to maybe forsake Jesus for financial stability. And within my own life, I understand that it is really easy for me to seek after the security that money has told us it brings to our lives and focus on that temporary security instead of focusing on eternity. See, Peter understood that the temptation to focus on temporary things, to dictate our values, our actions, and our schedules is real. But as Christ's followers, we are not commanded by those temporary things, but rather as a new way, a new holy people set about, we are commanded by the King of Kings. We are commanded by eternal things. So the church in first century that Peter's writing to, the church in DeSoto County, in Getwell Church, South Haven, and Getwell Church, Hernando, the church is to be living with eternity in mind. Therefore, you and I do not make decisions. We do not act. We do not behave. We do not think, or the way Peter would say, according to our former selves, our former ignorance, but we are thinking in a new way. So then we have to begin to ask ourselves questions that affect how we view eternity. So when we make decisions on how we spend our time, how are we spending our time? Are we investing in things that are for the eternal state of others? Or are we investing in things for the temporary satisfaction of ourselves? Because again, Peter is talking here, forget the former way, think of the new way. Or we could ask ourselves, if we're thinking about how we spend our time, we could ask ourselves the manner in which we are spending our time is, is the question of how we are doing that. Is, is it in a way that's lifting others up or is it bringing other people down? So it's not just a matter of what we do with our time, but how do we spend that time? So we may invest time in our family, which is fantastic, but how does that time look? How are you speaking to your kids? You may spend time with friends, and that's great. You may spend time with neighbors, and that's great, but how are you investing in that relationship? How are you speaking to them? Are you letting them know they have dignity and worth to the creator because of the way that you are speaking to them? So it's not just what we're spending our time on, but it's in the manner in which we are actually talking and investing in other people. And then how are we viewing our money, 
right? If this is a temptation for their church, it hasn't changed that much, right? We live in America and this is still a temptation for us. So how are we viewing our money? Is this, we look at money and maybe money for us is that sense of security? Or maybe the lack of money is your source of envy within your own life? Because see, the former way of thinking says that money has the power to give you dignity. That's the former way of thinking. But the new way of thinking says that any money that we have been given is a gift from the Lord to us to be used for eternal significance. So therefore, we can look at our money and say, this is only a tool. So yes, I will, I will push for adoption from this fan, for, this, uh, for this couple that's coming from uh, Lesotho. I will invest my money there. Or yes, I will pay this month's rent for this single mom who's struggling to make sure that she can make things, make uh, ends meet. So you know what? I'm going to step in because money is simply a tool to let people know that they matter to the creator because this is the thing that matters in all of eternity. This is what matters to those who are Christ followers. But then it goes down to our very decisions that we make every single day. Are the every single decisions that we make are they for the significance of eternal things or are they for temporary satisfaction? Are they to make a big deal and advance the ways of Jesus within the world or are they to advance the ways of us within the world? So while most of us identified as being procrastinators and not every single one of us did, I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of us that don't live with the pressure of eternity. So eternity doesn't affect our lives. And Peter would say to you, he would say to me this morning, that don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Prepare your minds now and think clearly because judgment is coming. Now, I fully understand this morning. First time I've been back on the stage in two years and I stand up and start talk about judgment. It's not rainbows and unicorns that we're going to talk about this morning. But it is a stark reality that we have to face. It is a heavy thought that we have to consider as Christ followers, knowing that we're going to have to answer for what we did with the salvation that was given to us. But Peter says something interesting here. At the beginning of this, he says, set your hope on the grace that will come at the return of Jesus. Set your hope on the grace that will come at the return of Jesus. I love this terminology because Peter fully understands that when Christ returns, the only thing we have to stand on is the grace of Jesus. The only thing we have to stand on is the grace of Jesus. So when we're standing before Jesus... And he looks at us and he says, what did you do with the gift of salvation and the message, the good news of hope that I gave you? Anything that we proclaim back to him is only being able to be said because of the grace of Jesus. The only way you and I can live like Christ in this world is because Jesus' spirit out of the grace of God enables us to live that way. So any action that we say, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? Anything we say after that is only out of the grace of who Jesus is. But then when we're standing there in eternity, and maybe we don't have to say as much as we wanted to say. When we look at him and we, and the reality of eternity sets in in that moment, and we realize we did not give everything we had for the sake of eternal things, you know what's going to catch us in that moment? The grace of Jesus, in which he looks at us 
And he says, I know now you realize that you were built for eternal things. You were called to invest in eternal things. And you didn't do that to your best of ability. But you need to know that I did everything for you. So come and enter into my rest. See, Peter understood that when Jesus returned, it was going to be good news for Christ followers. That we were going to be able to see the object of our faith. And we were going to be able to stand on the grace of Jesus. Out of the grace of God, this is what I did for you. And out of your grace, you're going to catch me when I fail. It is out of the grace of Jesus that we are able to live for eternity. But unfortunately, we know people in our circles of influence. Or there may be some of us in this room. There may be some of us that are watching online. That this idea of judgment doesn't necessarily bring hope. That we, like maybe you have continually tried to find hope in a relationship or a job or money and finances or drugs or what fill in the blank in which you have this deep desire to be a part of something that is eternal but you continually try to plug in temporary things and then it leaves you with this feeling of despair and this morning if that's you if that's where you identify listen to the words of Jesus when he would lean in in the first century and he would look at people, people longing for something eternal and he would look at them and he would say, come to me, all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So this morning, maybe you're looking at judgment and it scares you to death thinking that you're gonna have to answer that question of what you did with your life. And this morning, Jesus is saying, let me give you my grace. So in that moment, that's the one thing you have to stand on. And there's some of us in this room or watching online that we have been Christ followers and we've forgotten this same message that we've allowed our old way of living and our old way of thinking to creep into our new creation minds where we have uh, invested more in the temporary than in the eternal. And so Peter didn't write this to the churches. He didn't write this to get well church to scare you, but he wrote it to you to sober you up for us to think clearly about what matters in life. Because one day we're going to have to stand before our judge. One day we're gonna have to stand before our savior and you and I, we will have to answer the question of what we did with the good news of Christ while here on this earth. And so maybe this morning, I don't, I don't know where you find yourself, but maybe this morning there's some of you in here that you want to make the decision to follow after Jesus. You're, you've trusted in temporary things that hadn't worked. You've got that feeling of despair. The one thing that you need for eternity is Christ. So maybe you want to talk to Jonathan or myself. We'll be down front. You can come down and motion us over here on the altar. So we would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Or maybe this morning there's just a moment of repentance in which you've realized that you've maybe invested too much in the temporary and forgotten about the eternal. And we want to invite you down to pray 
Turn back to the Lord and, and focus. Think clearly about what he has called you to do. Or there may just be a moment where you just want to sit. As we all stand and sing, you may just want to sit. And just reflect and ask the Lord to give you the pressure of eternity for you to begin to act in the ways of eternity. Because again, it can sometimes see far off. But yet Jesus and Peter and Paul would all say, you never know when the Lord is going to return. So act in a way that if he were to return now, you would be doing exactly what he called you to do. So as I pray, as we say amen, I want you to respond how you see fit. Come down front, pray in your seat, proclaim the greatness, the grace of Jesus as we sing this closing song together. I want you to feel free to respond as you see fit. So in a minute when I ask you to stand, if you want to remain seated, do so. We want you to respond to the words of Jesus in the way that he is prompting you to do so. So if we will, if you'll stand together, we're going to pray. And then continue to praise the name of Jesus. Father, we have gathered in this place because you are a gracious God. We've read your word and your Holy Spirit is moving because you are a gracious God. The actions that we live out in this world to proclaim the name of your son all come through the grace of you. Every action, every thought that we are, Father, is a gift from you. So thank you for the good news that is Jesus. But God, I ask for you to break our hearts. For the people around us that don't know that good news exists. And I pray that you convict our spirits and our minds that we should be the ones to tell them about the good news of Jesus. And so, Father, above all else this morning, I pray that your scripture runs deep, that it's planted deep within our minds so that we know fully what it is that you've called us to do based on your word this morning. And so we turn this time over to you as a moment of submission and surrender to what you will have to do in our lives. And so we pray all of this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.